Warning. The following podcast contains two morons talking about sophisticated subject matter, like ninus and hoo-hahs. Also, a few whoopsie-daisies and at least one house or ante. If you don't have a strong stomach, you know where the door is. Right. On with the shenanigans, then. The podcast which you are about to hear is an account of the tragedy which befell two washed-up losers. In particular, Court Psyops and his immature co-host, Matt. It was all the more tragic in that they were uncultured morons. But had they lived very, very full lives, they could not have expected nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see each week. For them, an idiotic podcast show became a nightmare. The events of each week were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, Cinema Psyops, with Court and Matt. What is Psyops? Psyops for psychological operations is very simply the art of influencing how people feel and think and ultimately how they behave and what they do. You don't have to defeat the enemy on the battlefield. It's better if you can convince the enemy to do what you want him to do without having to fight him. And that's really the intent behind Psyops, to convince people to do what you want them to do. So how does PSYOPs fit into what's happening now? The two points I'd like to make with you and the audience is that, first and foremost, PSYOPs save lives. The second thing I'd like to say, a lot of people have misconception about PSYOPs. They think it's something devious and brainwashing. say you don't know exactly what's going on right now, but we do know that there are some psyops going on, right? Ma'am, I don't know. Cinema psyops. And I believe with all of my heart that it is a contributing factor to our juvenile delinquency of today. Why I believe that is because I know how it feels. I know what it does to you. Cinema psyops. They think it's something devious and brainwashing. Welcome to a contributing factor of our juvenile delinquency today, that is Cinema PsyOps. I'm your host, Court, sitting here all alone in the studio, pretending to be having a good time and not terrified as shit about this fucking pandemic. Sitting all the way in his home, comfortably socially distanced the way we like it is Matt. You're all diseased. I'm sorry. Hi, everyone. Yeah, so if you're going to panic buy toilet paper, folks, you may want to do it now. Not right now, unless you can still listen to us while you're doing it, and then go ahead. Don't worry. Hey, yeah. fuck it. Two weeks, this won't even be a country anymore anyway. We're fine. Right. Well, I don't I don't know if you've been kind of tracking the numbers, but we keep hitting these like continuously high numbers, and everybody needs to realize that it's exponential growth. So we're two weeks behind the curve. So when we hit record numbers, that means that in the next two weeks, exponential growth. I know nobody likes to do fucking math, but just take my word for it when I say it's going to get real bad. We have, yeah. we have a bunch of yeah. things coming to a head, and it's going to get real fucking bad. So if you can do it, fucking hunker down. But still, if you're going to vote, fucking better fucking vote. <laughs> if, yeah. If there, there's yeah, ever missed, been a I thing missed. that you need to get out and vote to, go, go fucking vote too. Because of mass confusion, I missed my chance to vote by mail, so I'm actually going to have to take the chance to go out to actually vote. But it's what I'm going to do. I may or may not be able to hook you up with some uh, N95 like filter paper stuff that you can put inside of 
a paper mask if you have a, 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 an opening for a filter. Oh, man, that would be fucking sweet. <laughs> and when I say I might, I mean I do. So I can get you some. <laughs> Our wives see each other all the goddamn time, despite the fact that there's a fucking pandemic going on. At least they're this, they're like, you know, at least I can say this. My wife doesn't see anybody at work. She works alone. Your wife works from home. Not all the time. She goes to an office sometimes, too. The, how many people are in there, though? I don't know, but they're spaced out. It's still... Yeah. <laughs> like, I have no one in my office. I still have to go in because I have to be around the equipment. But right. I, I have, like, no one around me, really. So, hmm. you know, little, little things at least help that. Well, maybe I'm just being extra, extra about it because this week it actually hit at my place of work. Now, I work from home, so I wasn't there. But it was at the office. It was brought in. And we basically have now had the resurgence of a lockdown type idea where I actually work where they're even trying to justify why they would even have just some of the folks that were coming in come in now and try and figure out what's going to happen. And now everybody's back to working from home that Aura's trying to go in, like the people that had to go in because they feel like they need to be there. <laughs> My company's pretty hardcore. They're like, they even came out on a call just recently because a lot of people are asking to come back to the office. And they flat out said, we they have no interest and no one's to come back into the office unless they have explicit permission and they won't even talk about an idea of when to go back into the office until after the new year. So it's not even like, oh, everyone come back after the new year. That's when they'll actually start entertaining ideas of how to do it. Yeah, well, if you look at the data, we're we're going to lose the next two years. It's, yeah. it's a hard fucking fact, but we're going to lose the next two years because of how and, stupid everybody's been in America. Unless somehow, some way, some motherfucker comes up with a vaccine. And even and then, like, half of America won't take it because, you know, a YouTube video told them, so they know different, they know better. Right, right. Uh, okay, so I think we've we've vented. This was something we have to fucking deal with now. Uh, you guys don't have to take a knee, but everybody come back in a little bit, a little closer. This is imaginary, everybody. I know what we were just talking about. Come here. There we go. We're all in this together in spirit. We're all huddled up, right? Everybody here? Yep. Everyone in. Take a knee. Come on. All right. As of this recording, it's not Halloween yet. Obviously, by the time this comes out, Halloween's over and the election's the important thing. So that's why we did what we just did there impromptu. We both just vented about it because we fucking had to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm real fucking close, Next time we record will be the day before yeah. the election. I'm real fucking close, Matt. I'm going to hit 300. I'm pretty sure. Unless something happens to me within the next six or so days. But like we got, it's, it's Monday. We got six days, give or take, before the actual day of Halloween. And I've been hitting my on track. I have about 40-ish more entries of stories to watch of some sort, some kind of a storyline before I hit 300, and I have about six days to do it in. Oh, for, all right, all right, you have six days to hit 300? Yeah, for the 30, what are you at now? 260-something, the last I, the last I just posted. <laughs> it's just fine, we'll get through the show, you'll get that shit. <laughs> Not all at once. Yeah, I just posted 260, so I have 40 left with about six days. You can do it. I believe in you. Well, I'm hoping, and as long as no, nothing externally happens that will prevent me from doing it, I'm going, I'm pretty sure I'm going to, I'm going to see the home stretch. <laughs> Come on. Gotta, I need some of that confidence. Right. And if I miscounted, I'm going to go over my goal to make sure that I get at least enough to where even if I miscounted here and there, which I doubt I did because I 
know me. I know what I do. <laughs> yeah. But, but just in case, I'm going to try and go over just to make sure that I hit at least that. Well, there you go. So then, you know, everything will be fine. Well, that's my distraction technique. That's the only thing that I'm thinking about and the only thing that I'm focusing on and I'm staying in the fucking my house. <laughs> because, I, you know, I, I've I've come to realize that that machete I bought in jest at the beginning of the pandemic might actually be something I'm going to need in a couple of weeks. So... <laughs> I'm just going to enjoy what I can now. Yeah, fuck it. (laughs) I guess what I'm trying to say is we're advising all of our investors to stock up on canned food and shotguns. Yeah, and uh, 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 toilet paper. What do you mean? Uh, Are you fucking dumb? Come on. (laughs) Right. So now. Yeah. (laughs) And then go vote. (laughs) Yes. And then do that. (laughs) All right. So this week we're talking about watch me when I kill. If there's anybody still left, everybody can stretch back out. We're all all good here. We've talked about all the serious stuff. I like how I call everybody in to talk about 31 days of Halloween. Yeah. I let them just sit comfortably while we bitch about the fucking pandemic that we've been living through and will continue (laughs) to forever. Forever. Nothing will ever be the same after this. Watch me when I kill. An invitation that I have yet to have anybody uh, extend to me, besides you at the beginning of the show. (laughs) I mean, pretty good movie. I don't get what the title means for the actual movie itself, but... Uh-huh. It's a giallo, and actually the original title was something about a cat, but it was released over here as Watch Me When I Kill, so that's the American title, and that's just kind of what it stuck with. There you go, because, you know, America's always fucking right, right, right? <laughs> guys? No, no. no guys? Guys? Uh-huh. They all walked away from me. Yeah. Now, this particular film is a giallo, and it is very much everything that you want in a giallo is all right there. I won't get into it too much, but that's intentional. So it's a very it's a very straightforward nuts and bolts very much in like this is how the slasher films ended up becoming where some people would do some stuff that was all innovative. And then there were some folks that would come along and just basically take everything that worked, throw it into a movie and make a damn good film. But you knew that's what they were doing. And that's kind of how this works as far as Giallo goes. And I don't mean that to sound disparaging towards the film. And I'll explain all of this as we go through it and we're breaking it down. But I just want to kind of leave that little bit of a breadcrumb trail there of that's where I'm going to be talking while Matt's doing his synopsis. All right. <laughs> so let's take the break. We will play the Legion GoFundMe promo. We're going to have some music that I took right from the soundtrack because Synops Films, who released this Blu-ray, was very kind enough to include the CD of the soundtrack, which I loved. So we're playing it on the show. <laughs> there you go. And when we come back, we will have the old-fashioned TV spot for the film. This is Bo from LegionPodcasts.com. Hey, it's been a crazy time, and when the world gets nuts, we're happy to offer some old-fashioned podcast entertainment. But for some folks, getting a laugh out of a show isn't really helping these days. People who depend on tips in their bartending jobs or have been put on furlough with no pay till the worst of this coronavirus threat has passed. That's a tough spot. That's why we set up a GoFundMe for members of our community, a sort of grand-scale take-a-penny-leave-a-penny. For people like myself, for whom the recent disruptions haven't kicked us out of work, well, we can drop a few of those extra pennies in the GoFundMe jar for those who are directly affected by recent events and find themselves looking for money to pay the electric bill or keep the water on. Well, how about you give me a shout at bo, B-O, at legionpodcasts.com. Let me know the situation and what you need, and we'll do our best to make life a little easier. And you can find links to the GoFundMe on the front page of legionpodcasts.com, on our Facebook group page, or on Twitter at Legion Podcasts, where it's the pinned tweet. 
For those of you who are able, thanks in advance for chipping in. And members of our community who need a hand, hey, here we are. Remember, stay safe, stay healthy, and we're all going to get through this together. Legion isn't just a name, it's who we are. Thanks for listening to all the shows here on Legion Podcasts, and we'll talk to you soon. It's Get like it going. It's like punching you in the face with its funkiness. <laughs> the the bass into the funk. <laughs> we want the funk. You will stop that we right now the- because I'm going to play the fucking trailer. Right. You are invited to witness a shattering adventure in total fright. Never experienced the sheer terror, the menacing suspense that awaits you when you see Watch Me When I Kill. Watch Me When I Kill. Rated R. <laughs> I told you it was a short TV Damn, spot. That was short. That was <laughs> short shit right there. <laughs> well, it's a TV spot. They pay by the second and they only get 30 of them. Uh, that's true. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, watch me when I kill. The first 20 minutes, we open up. We're in a pharmacy. Uh, the uh, lead pharmacist is talking about how he's worried. Uh, he's been getting threatening letters. Uh, his worker comes in, and his worker seems all sorts of shady. But he leaves for the night. Uh, after leaving, the doc hears someone at his door. So he goes to check it out, and he realizes he actually is locked in. As he goes searching around a little more, he gets bludgeoned to death by, by a hammer? It's like a mallet. More like a mallet. Okay. Right? Um, okay, so it's a mortar and pedestal where they grind things up into a fine powder before they put them into capsules sometimes for like quick release or whatever. Um, right. It is a very large pedestal or is it the mortar? I can't remember which one it is, but it's the part that you use to crush in the giant bowl part, which I think might be the pedestal, right? Or is the mortar the base? I don't know which is which, but whatever. Whatever. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> That's what it is. You know what I'm talking about, God damn it. Yes, I get it. And he falls and he's dead and and after even dies, the killer slits his throat. Just then a woman, she tries to enter because she needs aspirin. She has a headache. But the killer, in a very weird voice, keeps telling her that they're closed and to go away. Then the killer leaves. A different woman walks in, enters the pharmacy, and finds him dead. The pharmacist. We then cut to the, uh, the a dance being performed. Was that, was that the tango? Or the, what was that? You Remember? ask me like I know a fucking thing about dancing. Well, you know, I never know with you. Your your interests vary, and sometimes you surprise me. Just saying. No, that's that's very true. Um, yeah. I know fuck all about dancing. I'm sorry. Okay. So anyway, uh, as the dance finishes, the two dancers head backstage, and two men follow one of the lady dancer. Uh, they offer her an acting gig. They say they really want her to be a part of it, and she says she'll think about it. They get a little pushy, and she says, you know, you keep doing that. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say no. And she says she's going to think about it. Uh, 
Just then, an old flame of the lady, his name's Lucas, he shows up, and her name's Mara, apparently. They talk, and he's going to drive her home. And so then she blows off a date she was supposed to have with her dance partner. That apparently annoys him off, annoys him, and he takes uh, her old boyfriend, Lucas, takes her home. After getting home, she's getting ready for bed, and she's sleeping, and someone is starting to break into her house. A dog alerts her and her neighbors who are trying to get the dog. I believe it was the neighbor's dog. Yeah. The killer sees him and runs away, runs right past the two old couple. And so she shows, she goes to Lucas's and she will decide that uh, she's going to stay there because, I mean, it's safer. Okay. Real real quick. Just this moment where she's coming to his apartment. Did it seem like he was demanding sex for her to be able to stay there to be safe? Am I crazy or was that something that it seemed like he was trying to imply? I, I I don't kinda, but there's a caveat. They both seem rather playful with innuendo with one another. So I think it was more I think he was, but it was more in a joking, playful manner. Because they have a very playful banter between those two. So your thought is that this would be a joke that they would make because they are possibly friends with benefits already or something along those lines yeah. where they could well, be that familiar with each other. They, yeah, they. I believe that, I mean, they're, they're going to restart a relationship here. But as of right now, I don't think they're in one. But I believe that she has either lived there before they or they've lived together at some point. They were in a very serious relationship, one that I still think there's a lot of love in, in stuff into so and there's a lot of feelings there and i believe they they have a a very established way that they kind of move and work with each other i got it i got got it it's perfect look no 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 i got it it's perfect it's dana barrett and dr vankman in ghostbusters 2 after after the tub tries to eat oscar that's the situation we have here the level of danger and also the previous relationship that may have fizzled out and they both regret that it did yes yeah there's no hate or animosity when they broke up there's not like oh i hate my ex these two people were just like well life just got in the way we broke up but they still very much care for one another and now circumstances have brought them back together and they're that playful banter just picks back up okay maybe it's so just because yes, i can't was, believe that someone that breaks up with someone else could ever be on good terms with them maybe it's just that yeah, it could be because i have a hard time seeing that as well i've only had one where i was actually ever in good standing with and <laughs> The others just, I'd rather choose that they never existed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at least in my life. Not that they were dead, but I just wish they were never in my life. Um, we won't go into what's happened to my past girlfriends because it just makes me seem <laughs> even more scary. <laughs> but uh, yeah, these two definitely, yes, he was definitely making that innuendo, but it's a playful innuendo that they both enjoy making towards each other because she says a lot of the same thing. She does a lot of the same things to him, including like, you know, I have, like when she says, I have two uh i have two containers waiting for you to pick up from you know down the hall you know like he's the bellboy <laughs> right okay i get you yeah i just yeah. i'm i don't know i just didn't yeah, like no, the du- I, mean, I didn't like the dude i didn't like the dude so i was looking for an excuse to fucking hate him i'll freely admit it oh really i did not mind this dude <laughs> now there are other dudes in this movie where i was like only jesus christ no i'm predisposed <laughs> to hate every man in a giallo just because they make me feel like something bad's about to happen when they're on screen oh i gotcha i thought maybe uh it was just because a lot of them uh will sometimes like uh, have a pretty lady and you're like uh, uh you know fuck that guy <laughs> his name's probably italian chad yeah 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 <laughs> italian chad i would believe that would be shod so um let's move on <laughs> yeah please uh so then uh 
uh, the next day, they're kind of leaving. She wants to know, like, hey, how long are you going to be gone? He goes, not long. It's just a quick thing for work. And on his way out, he runs into what he considers his weird neighbor with a woman on their way out. Um, and when they are, and then those two leave as the weird neighbor and this woman go into the building. And as they're leaving, we see the pharmacy worker. He's outside looking real sus, looking real suspect right now. It's real sus. Anybody who's into the game Among Us will know what we're talking about here. Uh, also, he is very much looking like a herring of a red nature. Yes. Yes, I wouldn't be surprised if his name wasn't Red Herring. But as of right now, the pharmacy tech is completely sus. <laughs> so, we then cut to the neighbor and that woman. They're talking, and that is our first clip. Dazan had called me about the letter several times, and even on the day of the murder, he telephoned me frightened. I've never heard a man so beaten down, so tired. He wanted to visit me. Oh, if only he'd had time to. Awful to be murdered that way. Don't blame yourself for the murder. It might have been just coincidental, don't you see? It's not coincidental, and that's that. They're exactly like the threatening calls you've had, my dear. Uh, that's happened before. In my line of work, Esmeralda, it's to be expected. I've got enemies. It could be that somebody is just trying to frighten you by calling. Somebody who knows things. Hello? Beg your pardon? But who's speaking? I must know you. Did you hear that? They hung up. Those strange noises all over again. Do you really still think it's coincidental? I don't know. I don't know. You mean you don't have any idea who the person is? No, none. Could it be somebody who's putting you on? No. It's completely serious. Too prepared. Mysterious barking, a confusion of voices, maniacal music. Somebody who's really planned on pestering me. You record calls coming in? It's a habit of mine. Uh, well, of my profession, as a matter of fact. Play the recording, if you would. See if you can't make something of it. You understand these machines. I wonder, could you decipher anything? It depends on the frequency. I doubt if it'll be too difficult. Oh, well, how much time do you think it'll take? The studio's only a couple of minutes away. Come along, and we'll hear it. All right, I'd be glad to. Are we all still and here after that long clip? <laughs> and that ends our first 20 minutes. This movie has really great fucking setup. It really does. I loved the timing of it. You know, we started out quick with a murder. You're Now you're already invested <laughs> and you're uh, interested. And then it, it goes right into kind of the mystery almost right away. So, I mean, you're, you're really involved in this. It's ticking all the boxes of the formula of a giallo that has worked previously in the past. It's changing just enough stuff around to make it work for itself and to basically kind of stand on its own. But you can see the influence it's wearing like right on its sleeve. For instance, the pharmacy tech being slaughtered and the girl coming in right at the end of that slaughter, but us seeing all of the murder very much like Bird with a Crystal Plumage, how that, that particular giallo which is what pretty much launched them and got them like super crazy popular. 
<laughs> is Dario Argento. It's kind of his fault. Um, yeah. But there's there's some influence of there's a lot of Argento influence all over this, but not in a way where I don't want to sound like they're being directly derivative. They're just taking the elements that they've seen that they know that works and they are making it somewhat more their own. But I can see where people would call that derivative, but I would feel more like they're just doing see even formulaic sounds kind of bad but I don't mean it to be that way it's just that these are elements we know that works let's create something similar to that to make sure that it works in such a way but since we're going to do that anyway let's turn the story around and do a few other things we'll add some stuff here and there and we'll change it just enough to make it super different but we know that this formula works on an audience so we'll follow that route of how a jello is made you, you get what I'm saying like slashers oh, did yeah. it too like every fucking slasher follows all of these certain rules and patterns and these formulas that you have to make a successful slasher and this film comes along in such a time I mean we're talking 77 so it's late enough in the giallos that what the audiences want has been established and it does that to a certain extent but then it breaks other rules that you always expect certain things at a giallo that by the end of it you didn't even realize weren't there at least for me and in this first 20 minutes I'm definitely feeling all the influence especially in the soundtrack there's a couple of times where they're playing some music and it reminds me of stuff that I heard Goblin do for Dario Argento, but not so much in a way where I would be like, oh, that's a direct ripoff. It's more like, hey, that sounds kind of like that. I'm digging this and I'm bobbing my head while the murders are happening because the tunes are grooving and it's weird and it makes me uncomfortable. And even the stalking scenes and all the stuff that's supposed to happen still feels very much like some stuff that Argento's done with that very familiar Goblin score. But again, I don't feel it's like a ripoff. It's just enough of a similarity because they know that this formula with this feeling will work and they're making it work and they're making it their own. Word up, yeah. Um, um, I was more impressed with the, it, like, we're telling the, the timing of this movie already. This first 20 minutes. It's it's jam-packed. It's, it, I mean, it's got to, like, I mean, I didn't find my first actual long enough, comp- like, talking, you know, uh, for a clip until almost, like, at the very end of that 20 minutes. So, uh, which means it usually means you get a good action-packed fast movie but still with a lot of content in it you know you're drawn into it so the first 20 minutes of this movie already has me righteously involved and ready for a good uh murder whodunit well what they're what they're really doing well is the visual storytelling where you just need to see things as they are happening and then it leads you through and it it basically shows you a room or an air or, or a certain area that the characters are in and even though they may not be talking and they're just kind of there they're the atmosphere of wherever they're at in the scene is laying out everything you need to know about those characters as we're going if you pay attention. I would argue that the beginning of this film is closer to a straight up Agatha Christie style murder mystery that it's setting up here than your sleazy almost slasher-esque later giallo type film that we would expect from a film that is entitled Watch Me While I Kill or When I Kill. Yeah, yes, I would agree. Yeah, the the name of this suggested I was in for something a lot different than what I got. The, the name implies you're about to get giallo in Venice when, what, when in all reality what you're actually getting is like an Agatha Christie type murder mystery with some giallo elements thrown in that that work, which all works really well for me. And that's, we've done enough talk, so let's move on to the next 20 minutes. <laughs> all right. Um, so we start with the next 20 minutes. Those two leave for uh, uh, Lucas's recording studio. And as they drive off, they are being followed. Uh, as they break down the tape, it sounds like men are yelling out orders, women and children are screaming and crying, and Dobermans are barking in the back. 
As the old man neighbor listens to it, he is very disturbed, almost getting more and more disturbed than when he heard it the first time. Uh, then we could do the lady who had been with the neighbor and talking with him. Well, she is at home and she's cooking and dinner and she gets an envelope in it has a photo of four women or four people at least two of which have their faces cut out she actually has the same photo all intact as she lines it up so she's very nervous right now she calls the old guy but has to leave him a message and then she uh looks around and uh she gets a quick jump scare from her coat rack then she goes to check dinner and as she puts her head in the oven to look at the meal uh she gets her head fully shoved into the oven into her burning hot meal uh by the uh by the killer as he brings her out her face is completely burned and then he slits her ro- uh, throat and we keep seeing these wolf eyes i believe they're wolf eyes yeah it looks like a taxidermied set of wolf yeah. eyes as well it's not like a living animal it's like a flash to a taxidermied wolf of some sort agreed totally agreed um so then uh let's see here we come back to the old guy, neighbor, and he's collecting cash from that pharmacy tech. Apparently, he's some sort of a loan shark. Uh, the guy says he can't pay all of it now, and he has to keep this a secret or else he's going to lose his position. And the old guy's like, of course, you know, you know I have just as much to lose, too, being a loan shark. I keep all of this a secret. Yeah, the nature just- of my business requires anonymity or something along those lines, he says. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Just as the pharmacy tech leaves, uh, very, after a very terse conversation, uh, he hears a radio, the old neighbor hears a radio broadcast about that woman's death. So, um, that guy leaves for the night, and as he's getting back to his apartment complex, he tries to get into the garage parking lot. There's this van that's parked too close to a pole, and he can't really make it. Well, just then, Mara shows up, and she offers to help. <laughs> He lets her drive the car, and she drives it in, and then after she gets past the van, she's getting ready to park, she is attacked. The windshield is smashed, all that. She has to back up very quickly, and she's able to escape him. Um, uh, and the old man sees and says that the killer was actually after him, not her. Later on, the old guy uh, tells Lucas uh, about another message he got. Lucas listens to that message, and that is our next clip. It's your turn now. You're going to end up just like your friends, just like Design in Missouri. You can't escape it. Turn that off, Lucas, and come to bed. Yeah, yeah, just give me a second. What do these sounds mean to you? Listen to them. The Dobermans. Remember? There are some things you never forget. That might be important. Let me hear that again. Listen to them. The Dobermans. Remember? There are some things you never forget. That's strange. I'm listening. I told you when I got back that day to Rome how I stopped to buy aspirin at a pharmacy and and how I was there when they found the owner murdered. His name was something like Dazan. We're closed. I said we're closed. Obviously, the killer was able to spot you. He's afraid you might recognize him. A genius. You know I got that far, Lucas. Well, why didn't you tell me? I mean, this is nothing to laugh at. Maybe you should have called the police. Why didn't you? Simply because the police are useless, Lucas. And besides, I hate their stupidity, their questions. I wanted to handle it my way. Uh, Handle it your way, baby, and you'll be pushing up daisies before New Year's. Oh, my God, I'm in this too now. Say no more, I've got the picture. I'll go pack those trunks. Now, wait a minute. Don't be ridiculous. Let's listen to the rest of this crap. It's only a question of time. You're gonna pay. 
You can't get away from me. Or from justice. This is Esmeralda. I want you to call me at my house. Esmeralda. Call me the moment you get in. I'm sure that's the woman that got killed the other night. Just a second. I have a feeling I've seen her somewhere. Let me take a look. It's an odd name. I've never run into it before. Here we are. It was her photo I saw in here. Esmeralda Missori. We saw her the other day coming into the building with Botsy. Remember? My, I'll say it's her. I guess Botsy was pretty close to her. Just a minute. Desan, Missori, Botsy. Telephone calls, menacing threats, an attempt to murder the girl who heard him whispering. No, no, Mara, please. We better call the police. But they... Use your head. You almost meet the killer at the pharmacy, and you don't say anything. The killer walks into your house, and you don't say anything. Get caught by the police, and I promise you they'll book you for holding back testimony. Absolutely. I'd be arrested instead of getting protection. I hope you know you're risking your neck, Mara. Well, what are you going to do? I don't know anymore, frankly. I'm sorry you had to wait. I was on the phone. Your aunt and I were close friends. You live here as well? No, I arrived today from Padua. I can't tell you how sorry I am for what happened. What's really upsetting is how senseless it is. But I think you should know, another friend of mine, a pharmacist, was killed during the robbery. His name was Dezan. Your aunt knew him. Did she ever mention him? No, I don't think so. I didn't see my aunt very much, if you want to know. The last time I was in Rome, I didn't even get to see her. Because of the trial she was involved in. Oh, what about it? Some months ago. Didn't my aunt tell you anything about the part she played in it? She was on the jury. No. It's a pity, though. She and I have been out of touch for a long time now. Excuse me. Come back later. We're closed. I was hoping to see Signora de San. Yes? Can I help you? I'm Signora de San. What do you want? Uh, I'd like to ask you a few questions. I've been to the police. I'm not the police. I'm trying to find out who killed your husband. Perhaps something you know can help me. When my husband came back from the war with Peretti, the ceramics dealer, he was so tired, he almost had a nervous breakdown. For a few years, we lived up north. Then a couple of years ago, we thought we'd move. And we decided to make a home here, where he opened his pharmacy. But I'm not telling you anything that you can use. Tell me, does your husband have any enemies? Oh, no. He wasn't that kind of person. He, he always earned everybody's respect. He took an active part in the community. For example, last year he served on a jury. He served on a jury? Yes, Who he was did. on trial? His name was Ferra Ferrante. The prisoner was called Ferrante. The trial upset my husband in a terrible way. But could there be a connection? I wonder. Wake up, everybody! <laughs> Jesus Christ, that clip was long as fuck, Matt. Yeah, sorry, man. A couple of these got long. Well, a lot of important shit in there. And that also, that ends that 20 minutes. Because <laughs> most of it was clipped. Um, I, I like how the uh, would-be ex guy here is really taking over investigating because it's going to get him laid. 
Well, yeah, I, I thought you would more like uh, the Amara's inherent distrust of the police. Well, I don't know if you know about the strife with the police in Italy and how they've had issues ever since Mussolini, even after he died. Yeah. I don't know if you've known that or not. I didn't, actually. Um, I, I believe that uh, it's kind of a thing over there, at least in some of the movies that I've seen, they would have me believe that all the police are corrupt in all the Italian films I've ever seen. So <laughs> it's like uh, Serpico before Serpico cleaned up the precinct kind of deal it was so it's it's just america i got you right well i, I mean it's just police in general i guess yeah. <laughs> so i'm not that oh. shocked I'm, I'm happy that she's see things for what they are but it just makes me laugh that like this section of this 20 minutes is literally about her ex-boyfriend wanting to get back in her knickers so he starts becoming an amateur sleuth not because his life is at stake not because he saw anything but because she did and he wants to protect her so that he can get Laid. That's his it could whole. Be also that he loves her. Uh, nah. I, yeah, well, okay, maybe, but I just don't see that in this character. He just he just fucking irks me, and I feel like he's just doing it just because he wants to get with her again, not just because he loves her. You just you got a lot of hate for this guy. <laughs> I got a lot of hate in fucking general. It's just pointed at him and not you this week. Yeah, okay, that's fine by me. <laughs> all right, there. Now we got a balance. <laughs> but that's well, I, that's all I got to say about that's all that twenty minutes was about. That's literally all that twenty minutes really meant was him investigating to try and get laid. Yeah, uh, pretty much. So then uh, <laughs> we start the next twenty minutes. He's going through newspaper articles trying to find out about the trial, and then he finds out this Ferrante is out of jail. He broke out. He, he, he escaped. Um, so he uh, he then goes to talk to the judge and finds out that the dude was able to, how he was able to escape from prison. And that he possibly has already killed two of the jurors already, and he's threatening the third. The judge says he understands and will inform the police about what seems to be happening. So, but the judge seems very kind of like he's telling him to drop it. Now the judge is starting to act a little sus. Uh, Lucas then goes to Ferrante's wife and tells her that he knows that she'll see him and that for her to tell him to leave his girl alone and that she won't say anything and she didn't even see anything anyway. Uh, as he leaves, Ferrante is watching him from the window. Uh, she, his wife believes that uh, Lucas was a cop, but he said, no, he knows who the cops are. This is just some dude. <laughs> um, at that point, Lucas then has lunch with Mara and has an unbelievable discovery in our next clip. <sighs> Do you think I'll be left alone from now on by that Ferranti? Well, I hope so. What if he wasn't the killer? I've been reading the transcriptions of the murder trial. I know he's guilty this time, too, because uh, he's got a solid motive against the victims. He's not the one. Who? Ferranti. Ferranti's not the killer. Say that Design and Missouri were done in by the same person. Well, that excludes Ferranti. Why? The pharmacist was killed, you recall, with a knife. But the police laboratory test made a strong point of the fact that the killer was a right-handed person. So what? It's simple. Ferranti's left-handed. How do you know he's left-handed? When I went to his house, there were two coffee cups standing in opposite directions. I realized he was hiding in there somewhere. When his wife drank from her cup, she held it in her right hand. Well, don't you see? Besides, I read someplace where Ferranti's nickname was Lefty. We're back at the beginning then, aren't we? Yeah. See, this is Agatha Christie shit right here. This is Jessica yeah. Fletcher. This is just straight up awesome mystery work by a guy that wants to fucking get laid. But you know what? At least he's getting it done. I've seen a lot of guys who want to get laid don't, still don't do shit well, or look, do it wrong. Look at Jessica Fletcher, who solved every murder that she ever pinned on someone when she's the actual killer. Yeah. 
That show's a shitload more fun if you watch it with that frame of mind. That you think Angela Lansbury's trying to get laid every time she's no, trying to look for the no, bro killer? No, that she's fucking killing everybody that's being killed and then framing the other people for it. Oh, fuck. I gotta rewatch Murder, She Wrote. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's a whole new way of looking at this. Uh, <laughs> it makes it that much more enjoyable, dude. You could recut yeah. it and just add new music and make it super dark. But anyway, we're not talking about that right now. Let's move on. <laughs> Uh, so then Lucas goes to check on his neighbor, and as he's knocking, no one's answering, and the pharmacy tech shows up. He's looking for the neighbor as well, and he says, well, I, I guess he's not home, and we see the neighbor's actually listening from his door. Lucas then, as he's driving, sees the judge. The judge is walking into a synagogue, and as Lucas tries to get his attention, the judge just ignores him. Adding to the judge being sus. His name also read. <laughs> yes. Herring Jr. As Lucas leaves his job, he is jumped by uh, Frenti and uh, from the back seat, he's taken hostage and makes him drive out to this waterfall, middle of nowhere area. He's going to make him jump to, you know, to his death. But then Lucas fights him and gets the upper hand and convinces him that he doesn't believe he killed anybody. And they both calm down. Uh, after that, he heads home to find Mara. Uh, he can't find her at first. He's, like, looking for her, and he's, like, getting nervous, the music, and we see she was just fucking around, and they hop on the bed, and they go to Bone Town. I mean, you don't see it, but it's heavily implied. One of the things I was talking about that this film does not deliver on, as you would expect for a later-term Jallo, or even any Jallo film, really, is there is no nudity from females in this at all. There's not. They invert your expectations in that route, and they take a more mystery-themed route with everything. There's very few kills, but the ones that we do get are extremely brutal. But the importance is not all of the people that are being killed. The importance is why. It's not even so much who. We really need to know why, because everything that this killer is doing becomes extremely ritualistic, and we get little pieces of it in every kill. So the real mystery for us as the viewer is what the fuck is this all about? What's with the dogs? What's with the, the weird noises in the background trying to force somebody to remember? Why is he killing only older people? What is this all about? That's what yes. really started fucking intriguing me. But then with that storyline that they're giving you visually because and the little pieces where you're actually watching the murders as they happen, those little pieces that we're seeing behind the scenes of the killing. While you have that, they layer over top of that a straight up. Now, obviously, it's not as good as Agatha Christie as far as mystery goes, but they also don't take some of the cheats that Agatha Christie would do where they reveal that, you know, some piece of information that they've been holding out on you. So you can't figure it out as a reader. Yeah. You know, that kind of deal. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but they're they're doing that take of someone who is investigating, but they're also using the Jallo trope of it being a more amateur investigator or not someone who would normally be doing this kind of thing because he's just the ex-boyfriend who wants to get laid, which is the greatest reason a Jallo has had for anyone to investigate murder for me. Yeah. So oh, there you go. <laughs> at this point in the film, I'm all the way in after all of this weirdness. I've been in throughout this whole thing. I'm so fucking interested in I've to been find out like, the before by Jallo though, Matt. Oh, uh, see, and I haven't. And so. Yeah, see, and I'm 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 extra fucking cautious because I, I don't want to fucking love it until I get at least close to halfway. But when I get to like real close to halfway, I can feel it. But it's at this moment that I felt it right here. Well, right then. <laughs> you felt it. Yeah. I felt feeling the, it all. I was feeling the movie. I was getting into it. All of those things that I was talking about with the storyline of wanting to know why the killer's killing is more interesting to me, but I'm still enjoying the other aspect of the mystery of the whodunit aspect and can I save my girl in time to be able to get laid? Which the answer is yes. 
course. But now it's well, again. <laughs> well, after they get done boning, she and he talk about the case, and that is our next clip. Hey, Sherlock Holmes, how's it going? Found the murderer. What I've found is that we're in the soup up to our necks. Let's examine the facts. Huh? First, we've got these jury members, two of them dead. Huh. The pharmacist, Dizan. The spinster, Missouri. Huh? The loan shark, Botsy. Second, Ferranti escapes. Dizan and Missouri are murdered two days apart from each other. Botsy's almost killed. Fortunately, you were in the garage. Fortunately for him. Third, in the middle of all this confusion, there's an innocent girl who, through no fault of her own, has heard the voice of the killer in person. Now, what I conclude, the principal suspect, our friend Ferranti, nicknamed Lefty, is out of the picture. But that means we've got no more killer, no more motivation. Would it be ever so depressing to point out that I'm in the middle waiting to be done in? No, you're not in the middle. Outside of Ferranti, who they're trying to implicate, Bozzi, Desan, and Masori have some other common tie apart from the trial. And I got a suspicion, I know. What is it? Peretti. Desan's wife mentioned his name. He runs a wholesale ceramics business. Good morning. Good morning. Can I help you? Is Signor Peretti in? Yes, he is. Signor Peretti, there's a gentleman to see you. Certainly, sir. You can go in. Thank you. I don't need reminding. It's not easily forgotten. But there was a difference. Dazan wasn't a prisoner of war. He was in Germany. He made a getaway from his friends, the Nazis. What was he doing in Germany? This happened when the war was almost through. If Dazan had still been in Padua, he'd have been caught by the Allied troops and they would have finished him. Had he joined the Nazis? It's past history. It seems like pretty active history to me. What did Dazan do? Look, I've told you more than I wanted to already. More than I should have. I think it's better if you just forget it. So, some intrigue now the Nazis are involved. Jesus Christ. I mean, when aren't those assholes involved about something? This is where I feel they did enough of a reveal that you know why now. Because if if you're if you're a smart enough person, you put two and two together with the German Shepherd dogs. Yeah, well, actually, they're Dobermans, but well, Dobermans, yeah, but when when same you got, thing though, right? Yeah, they're notoriously used by Nazis, mm-hmm. so you know. And then you have this photo and all of this stuff that just got revealed in the clip, and we're talking about this history, so you know that has to be something doing with the reason as to why the killing is happening. That's a piece that you can put together in your head at this point, and they're still solving the murder mystery on top of that. So I am super fucking intrigued. I am so into this movie as yeah, this now stuff that is Nazis starting to land. Are involved, I'm like, holy shit, what the fuck now is happening? <laughs> yeah, like, how much darker is this going to get? I thought this was just a fucking murder mystery sleazeball film. I didn't think you going to bring the fucking Nazis into this. <laughs> Alright, well, fucking Jesus. <laughs> as long as somebody's killing Nazis, we're good. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty happy as long as everyone's... As long as Nazis are getting killed, I'm, I'm in a good mood. Um, <laughs> Still not replacing that clip. Still holding that over your head. Yeah, you fuck. Uh, anyway... <laughs> Uh, so, um, after all this, Mara is practicing dancing, and the two dudes who offered her the movie role, they're watching her uh, practice, and one of them's, like, all in love with her, and the other guy with him's like, why don't you, you know, she doesn't give you the time of day, you need to, you know, be like Lucas, because Lucas just, like, when she's in the middle of practicing, gets up and leaves, so, uh, you know, everyone's just kind of like, you know, so you can tell this guy's really into her, and, uh, and she's just having none of it. So, um, uh, Lucas actually, uh, one of them then says, excuse me, he gets up and follows Lucas out to the backstage area. While Lucas is waiting backstage, uh, he is, uh, told to wait outside by her male dance partner, who she blow off the date with. You can tell he's just not very pleased that Lucas is there. Uh, Mara, man, everyone wants a piece of Mara. I'm telling you that right now. And they get a little gross about it in a lot of spots, too. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not exactly the, the, the most friendliest thing. Yeah, the um, dude that she's with kind of right now is basically being the most respectful, but still kind of wondering what's going on. But if they had a past relationship where he's got a shortcut to act like that and she's okay with it, then that's fine. Yeah, so... Mara then comes back and she um uh is uh, has to go looking for a dress she needs. And as she's looking, we see someone's watching her. As uh, she gets ready, the lights are turned off. And then we see her dance partner is walking around back there as well. As Mara walks around, uh, we see a switchblade gets opened. Uh, she then walks and she uh, has this like dummy fall in front of her and she gets really freaked out. It's a jump scare. And as she looks up, then we see her dance partner's there and his throat is slit. And that's the end of that 20 minutes. Fuck. Now the dance partner's dead? People are just dropping like flies around here. I think that dance partner was at the wrong place at the wrong time. I don't think that the killer did that for any noble reason or to try and get to her and shut her mouth up. I think it was a crime that he had to commit to get away with what he was doing. Yeah, I think he was uh, planning on killing her. And uh, before he could, the male dancer came back there, probably looking for Mara himself to talk to her. And uh, he was like, fuck, he spotted me. I have to kill him now. Probably he wasn't wearing a mask or something so that he could be identified. Like, probably like, what the fuck? Why are you back here? Or maybe the dancer was going to try and do something and jump Mara. And he snuck back there ahead of time, revealing where the killer was going to be. The killer panicked, killed him and took off. Yeah, that could be too. That very well could be. Because he wasn't a very pissy mood with her. So maybe he was looking to do something in like by way of revenge or something. Possible. It even could be that he went back there and just startled the killer. So the killer turned around and slit his throat. Yeah, maybe like, he went back like, there to take a piss and like this is how he died. Yeah, and the killer was like, holy shit, and just slashed and went, ooh, ah, oh, I didn't mean to. Sorry, bro. And then runs off. Yeah, especially since the guy was peeing freely right when it happened. It just goes everywhere on the way down. Yeah, that's just bad. And then he evacuates the bowels and that's just worse. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Being a killer sucks sometimes, Matt. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of cleanup. I, I could understand that. Yeah, yeah, it has to suck to be a killer. It has to. You know, you have to have real commitment to the gross stuff. Right. So, all right. So we start the next 20 minutes. Mara, Mara is starting to lose it a lot. She's uh she, she's kind of going crazy, and Lucas is trying to calm her down. Uh, she's kind of having a paperclips moment. Um. Uh, then he tries to call his uh, neighbor again, but there's no answer. And, you know, he's told by a uh, different neighbor that uh, he the, he left town uh, that very morning. The neighbor did. Uh, May- Mara is once again having a huge paperclips moment, and she wants to run away. And, well, then he, he Lucas slaps her. Man, that's not cool. That's not cool. Um, no, no, Matt. But- Matt, in, in the 70s, the best way to bring someone out of hysteria was to beat them about the face with an open hand. Yeah, I don't... I think the 70s were wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Well, of course we know that now. But back then... (laughs) But back then, it was okay. So, anyway, he asked her for 24 hours. To give him 24 hours, figure it out, and then if nothing else, then they'll run. So, um... He starts working, and she checks in on him, and that's our next clip. Come on, you're defeating your own purpose like this. Come up and get some sleep. Padua... You're interested in Padua. What's up there? That's what I want to find out. The two victims came from Padua. And Bozzi and Peretti. Oh, it's starting to make me dizzy. I'll make you some coffee. Hello. Signor Carmen, Bozzi speaking. I'm on my way to Padua. No, I can't. I'm through. 
I'm too frightened. I'll tell you all, everything. I won't keep back anything. Yes, I know you've got it all figured out. No, 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 that won't help us. Listen, I beg you to trust me. You'll have to follow me immediately. At Padua, you'll find my message for you at the main desk of the Hotel Majestic. Again, I beg you, leave immediately. Goodbye. So now we know it's all, a lot of these victims are all from the same town. Uh, so that's causing some issues. Um, but uh, now that it's starting to uh, kind of all come together a little bit. Not a lot, but at least a little bit. We know the Nazis are involved. They're all from the same small town somewhere in Eastern Europe, was it? Yes. Yes. A small town, Pen. Pendini? Something along those lines. Not sure. But it would imply that the Nazis rolled through their town and something happened, and that's why the killer's doing what they're doing now. That's what we're getting. That's what we're getting at this point. And I'm super intrigued about the why. Meanwhile, our hero, I guess, is getting closer and closer to the who. The who, the what, the where, and the whys. Oh, you take off the glasses and Man. Anyway, uh, Lucas then takes Mary to his family's summer home and gives her a gun. And he says, Rosa, the, 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 the person who watches over the house, will help her with anything she needs. But she should be safe there. Then we see the neighbor guy's taking a bath, and the killer's there. And he chokes him out with the water hose for the bath, killing him. Lucas shows up to the town, but he finds out that the old neighbor is dead. He goes looking for information, and he runs into a crazy dude when he leaves this church, and then a window almost falls on him. Just a very awkward little town. Um, Then he goes looking for the woman who was killed in the oven, her dad, and he finds him, and he gives him a very cryptic response about how when he thinks he's found something true and real... To turn around and he will be back at the beginning. Um, so that's never a good sign when an old man tells you that because it feels like, you know, you're fucked. Especially when <laughs> they throw a spoon against the wall and cackle madly. Is that, is that bad? <laughs> yeah. When old men do that after telling you something, you should definitely run. Just go away. Just get the fuck out of there. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Good to know. Good to know. Good, good tip. Good tip of the day. Uh, so then he goes to visit the family home of, I believe, the pharmacist. And at this point, he's told a bunch of ladies live there, and they're all kind of crazy, according to one guy. Um, so he visits, and he meets this old woman who he believe, I believe is the, the old pharmacist's mother, and that is our next clip. I know that song, yes, but no one sings it anymore. And Botsy. Giovanni, how much fun he used to give us. We'd go dancing. I remember the parties. But she refused to go to parties. She was afraid her baby girl would awaken. <laughs> The baby and her little brother were such funny things. You know, you know, he was much prettier. But oh, the way that child would begin to cry for his father. The lady's name, do you recall? The mother? She was here. She was a neighbor, too. She made her home there with Botsy. Was her name Esmeralda Missouri? Oh, she was nasty, vicious, jealous, too, so jealous. Lena, oh, find Lena for me. I want to go to sleep. Sleep. I'd like to know what you're doing here. Who let you in? Who are you? What do you want? Please excuse me. I'd like to know about the woman who lived in Botsy's apartment. What was her name? Who was she? She was a poverty-stricken girl who needed a place to hide with her children. The children in that picture, 
I must know. Or are they the ones? Yes, they're her children. But tell me, who was their father? What was his name? Bolsey's dead, the poor little man. It was an awful story. Now, uh, you know, we get some family history there. And I'm sorry, I believe that wasn't the pharmacist's mother. That was the old neighbor's mother. Because uh, they talk about what a little man he was. You know, I guess I guess he was little. Um, <laughs> Something. Yeah. So that's the end of that 20 minutes. And now we're going into the final 15 minutes of the movie. So things are starting to come to a head. Uh, everyone kind of realizes, or at least uh, Lucas realizes kind of what's going on. What, you know, and, and why. Uh... So now in the final 15 minutes, Merrick gets a call from Lucas, checking in. He says that he knows why the neighbor was killed, but he will have to explain later when he sees her. Then the housekeeper has to leave for the night because their family priest is coming over to the house. Um, so then Merrick gets a call from someone asking for her to go out. Like, hey, let's go out. And she says, I she can't go out right now. And then they hang up. She listens to the tape again. Then she uh, tries the phone, but now the phone's not working. We see someone is outside and walking up to the door. Just then, she she doesn't know someone's out there, but she locks the door, just, you know, not knowing that there's someone out there, just locking the door for the night. Closing the blinds, she then sees a figure outside. So then she starts walking around the house uh, with the gun, and she is attacked, but then a man busts in. After a scuffle, she sees someone coming out of it, and she shoots, but it's Ferenti. She misses him, and she he says that Lucas asked him to watch her and the place, and he said he, he had caught the murderer, but the son of a bitch had gotten away. So then we cut to Lucas enters the room, uh, enters a room of another house and is confronted by the judge with a gun. And that is, this is the long final clip. Have you suspected the truth? Ever since the day I saw you going into the synagogue, does it make sense to you taking revenge so many years later? Huh? Don't ask me that. You mustn't judge a man like me who's seen his family destroyed. Not even a lifetime is enough to make me forget that. My wife and my babies hid out in Padua at Bocci's house. We thought he was our friend. He betrayed those innocent ones to the Nazis because, like me, they were Jews. Esmeralda Messori, she was Bocci's mistress, drove him to commit this act of betrayal. They perished in a prison camp in Germany in less than a month except for my son, who survived. This all explains the reasons for those threatening phone calls, the screams, the sound of the gas ovens, the Dobermans. It was part of my plan to frighten them. So before they died, I had to make sure they knew they were being punished, and why? But the Zan, how did he fit in? He collaborated with the Nazis. He was responsible for arresting them. It took me over 20 years to track them down. One day, I managed to get them picked to serve on a jury together. I wanted to see their faces. A man was on trial for murder, Ferrante. But they had committed murder. I wanted them to pay the full penalty. Now you know the facts. The whole truth, as we say. Naturally, you mean to turn me over to the police. We'll see about that. Lucas. You haven't heard the full explanation. You really ought to know something else. My father would never commit murder. You see, the most he really wanted 
was to see the faces in court. Not me. Don't say a word. Keep quiet, Carlo. No, Papa. I want them to hear everything. A few months ago, the ideal suspect presented himself. It was Pasquale Ferrante. Convenient, no? I knew the police would suspect he was in the murder. <laughs> this time he'll look guilty, too. Stop it! So I was right. I was right all along. And you knew what was happening. I told him later when I couldn't do anything else. He didn't blame me. He gave me his protection. Why didn't you stop him? Nobody could stop him. You don't feel ashamed for what I've done, do you? They were all guilty before God. It was right for them to die. You said when you used to speak of it that I was too young to remember. I was just a baby. You said it was just an accident, but you know better than that. My mother was killed and so was my sister. It wasn't an accident. They were murdered. You gone mad, Carlo. You hear that? You tell her. You know I'm not. Neither were you when you told me. I knew you were thinking that someday someone would do it for you. I'm the one that did it for you. The way they deserved it. What happened is a tragedy. Only now do I begin to understand. I've made both of us forget all sense of reality. Forgive me. No, Papa. There's so much left for us to do. You've got to finish it. You've got to. These two people here can't go on. They know too much. You've got to kill them so you know what it means to kill. No. Yes. Kill them. Kill them. No. And to let you know, during that clip, uh, you can hear Mara. Mara comes back with um, with Ferenti, and Ferenti gets knocked out. I don't know if he's killed or not, but he definitely gets knocked out. And Mara was taken hostage by Carlo. Carlo was one of the guys who wanted her to do his movie and who was infatuated and kind of in love with her, it seemed. Yeah. But just then, the judge shoots his son, then shoots himself in the head, killing himself. Roll credits. Holy fuck, that, that so dark twist of an ending as to oh. why. And then the yeah. way that it resolves itself where the old man regrets everything that he's ever done, the judge does. And then the son, who in my mind is 100% justified for what it is that he's doing. Uh, even though it's murder, it's still a reason that I'd be like, yeah, let's call that temporary insanity. They're the ones that sold him out to the Nazis. I'm kind of okay with but this. Did they do it themselves? There's the one thing I couldn't understand with this. Did these people do it or was it their their parents who sold them out? I think it was probably the parents of the kids, which makes it weird. A little, 
yeah, a little less okay because. But in know, some cases, he got the actual people that did it. It's just that he yeah. went on and killed the rest of their family. But he they, he lost his sister. They lost their offspring. So the people that he's murdering should also lose their offspring. I kind of yeah. get why he's doing it. I'm not saying it's 100% justified. I'm just saying as far as the people that did it, yeah, I would totally be okay with that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's fucking Nazis. Or they sold people to the they sold people out to the Nazis, which is just as fucking bad to me. Well, I mean, then I mean, you're I mean, I, in my opinion, that makes you a fucking Nazi too. <laughs> Sometimes you have no choice. It's to save your own life. But even still, when someone that you sold out comes back to get you for it, I'm sure you understand why they're coming back for you. Yeah, right. There you go. Right. That, that, that Maybe that's a better way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you, you have no choice. Maybe it's your life or someone else's. But then, yeah, you have to understand when the other people come back for you. Because <laughs> sometimes they come back. When they want that receipt. <laughs> yeah, and your ass is going to pay. Um, yes. Yeah, this the, the murder mystery shit was really good. The reason behind it would becoming a, a an intrigue and a plot twist and learning the, the little pieces of the story as to what's going on. The multiple layers of this weird revenge plot that sort of infected the child. Like, the, I, I think if his son were to be a son that wasn't in the camp, it would make this feel more like the father's bitter hatred made this new son that that was born after all of these events, you know, seek the revenge because it, to please his father or to make him happy. I feel like that would have more of a payoff. In this case, it's the son doing it because the son suffered the horrors of a prison camp or an extermination camp or some type of concentration camp uh, under the rule of the Nazis, and he survived. But they were hoping he was too young to remember everything, but he was still there in that trauma still will happen and he's recalling it so it's more about his revenge really than for his father i feel like that little bit at the end where the father's like where they're trying to say that he's doing this to please the father i feel like it should be more like you weren't there dad you don't know i you know this is revenge that we deserve that kind of thing i feel like that part of the story would work better for me if they wanted to do the angle where he infects the son it should have been that a son that was born to another woman after the events of his of the holocaust where the baby baby brother and sister were also killed you know you see what I'm saying like that would drive yeah. that pathos. I totally get what you're saying. Or yeah, so like that's kind of the only real complaint. Everything else, I feel like it sets all this stuff up. It lays out all of these beautiful breadcrumbs. Where if you pay attention to it, you see these storylines, these dual storylines: the how and the why. You know, like motive, and then the actual, you know, who. And everything is there, and they lay it all out with these very separate strands. That once you weave it together, and it gets all taken care of at the end, the full fledged reveal is satisfying as well because they've been hinted at that there's stuff going on with Nazis the whole way through it. So when it comes down to the killers been in a concentration camp because of the people that he's killing the family and themselves of. That's fucking amazing. That's a really well thought out through line that they put through this film and I'm super impressed and I can't believe that I just blind bought this to help get a balance up to a point where I got free shipping from a distributor. <laughs> like I can't I can't believe that that's the reason I got this movie because I really fucking loved it. I thought it was really fucking good. It is a really fucking good movie. It really is. I mean and you get the um, I I always find when like you're we're watching dubbed movies you know for English I find sometimes I, I I have a hard time getting into them because I feel like I lose the emotion of the character through the dub but they did a really good job in this one because I felt all the emotions like that the the judge's emotion the fear the sadness the anger by other characters I really liked it I I I thought it did well I thought it was a good uh, it was over an hour and a half uh just over an hour and a half but you didn't 
you couldn't tell that. It moved with the pace of a movie that was like an hour and 15 minutes. There wasn't a, like, I don't, I don't think there was any padding. Everything was conveyed to this story. Yeah, that's another thing that they did masterfully well in the way that the story's construction constructed and the way that everything is edited. They don't linger on things too long. Everything continues to move forward and is driving you forward with the plot. And it's a really well-paced shock for the mystery whenever it finally unfolds on you. Because they're setting it all up and there's some things that I will admit freely you for the first time you watch it, unless you're paying attention for notes like you, you're now forced to do, you mm-hmm. may have a lot of that stuff blow over you. But then when it hits at the end, you remember it all, which is the mark of a really well-made Jello. I'm super impressed with this film. I think the way that it was produced, the shot, directed, edited, including the score, while there's very much things that are very clearly influenced by, like I said before, elements of Giallo that we know worked, very particularly a lot of Argento stuff, they're not the only trespasser of that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with using a formula that works and making it your own, which they totally did. All the changes to the story where they're bringing in, instead of elements of sleaze and sex and gore, it's a past mistake during wartime where you become part of a war criminal and now it's vengeance, which is a twist that I really liked in the storytelling that they did, and they did it really well. And I thought very respectfully, I'm just shocked at a film that's called Watch Me When I Kill being this fucking good. And the the original Italian title is something about the cat with the jade eyes, I believe is the translation which also tells you nothing about what's going on in the story, but that's Giallo for you. That's just how it fucking works. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, besides all that, uh, yeah, because the, the title. Uh, again, I'm, I, I, I find I have to stress it again. I am so impressed with the dubbing in this, and whoever the, the actors were who voiced for the dub did a tremendous job uh, in conveying what the actors were putting out emotion-wise you know, on the screen. It was so good um, that it, 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 that I was so into this movie all the way to the very end. It even hooked you in the feels, man. That's awesome. Yeah, it really did because you felt like, you know, after the convenience of finding out kind of who the perpetrators of this were, you know, you're like satisfied in that, like, oh, fucking, it was, you know, the judge, I kind of saw the, the whole Carlo bit was a little out of left, fucking left field that he was the actual killer. But the fact that the judge was involved makes sense because of how sus he was acting earlier. Yeah, but he kind of knew feel- what was going on, but was trying to protect his son, which yeah, is understandable. Which is understandable. And but the pain you feel for for this family that went through the her the horror of the Holocaust, and then the anger that that must make, and you know, bring you to want to you know fucking murder, uh, which is understandable. Yeah, it's just fucking. It's awesome. I fucking. I mean. I can't really say much more than that. It's just, it was a well-put-together movie. I watched the Synapse 4K scan restoration of this Blu-ray, which you did as well, but your version's always going to be more compressed because you're just streaming it for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what what I watched of this, um, this print looks amazing. Uh, there were several shots where if I didn't know that it was shot in the 70s, I could have swore it was shot with modern technology. It looked that crisp and beautiful. And it sounds amazing. Like you said, the dub voice actors are really fucking good at what they're doing snatch up this fucking blu-ray if you're gonna watch it fucking just buy it because <laughs> yeah we may have gone through the entire story and we may have fucking spoiled it for you but trust me when you fucking watch it you're gonna enjoy everything about this i feel it has infinite rewatchability because there's even more clues that you'll notice and subtle things laid out that's done really well in this film yeah i agree i think that's pretty much let's wrap it up because otherwise we're just gonna basically get down and fellatiate this film more uh, I 
I think we already kind of did. But yeah, okay, let's move on. <laughs> We're done edging. It's time to finish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, this next fucking promo for this next podcast is going to be real <laughs> unhappy that I transitioned like this. From edging to, to finishing. So are we considering this to be the finishing, the, this promo? Well, that's the start of the finish of the show, yes. Or at least the finish yeah. of this review. After edging through everything. Yeah, okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> so here we go. I'm really sorry, Dan. <laughs> Taste colors beyond any known spectrum as phonic euphoria cascades into your consciousness. Observe the laws of physics no longer applying to an existence that confines. Space and time will unravel and reform to a screaming new dawn, bursting with infinite possibility. It's as easy as listening to the Corrupted Youth Podcast, where the father-son duo of Dan and Brennan explore the latest blockbusters, classic genre films, and the schlockiest of Golden Age VHS rental store flicks in spoiler-heavy fashion. Corrupted Youth Podcast is available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and more. Take a break from reality, unlock your infinite cosmic potential, and become a dongle. score that reminds me of a lot of Goblin, especially some Suspiria. It starts off feeling a lot like the score from Deep Red and moves right into some very Suspiria feeling for the score, but they do it their own way, and it just feels like an influence. It doesn't feel like a direct ripoff. It's just enough that I get those same kind of chills that I get from that music. Yeah, that's, uh, that's some really good fucking creepy music. Yeah, man. I'm really digging this soundtrack, and I'm glad that the CD was included. It just made my fucking day, because I really wanted to try and pull music, but everything had something going on over top of it so it wasn't gonna work and then i found that and i was super happy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, make me even happier and give me some comes from Alan. That is our Chef Al, I believe from Halifax, Nova Scotia. Chef Al, well, with the... I realize Midwest people love ranch, but we're going too far. The Wichita Eagle, naked teen covered in ranch dressing, crashes at Kansas City gas station, Sheriff says. I'm already getting boy, arrested. I might as well grab this guy's dick. All right, then. A teenage boy who was naked and covered in ranch dressing crashed a vehicle at a Kansas gas station early Sunday, Saturday morning. Uh, the disturbance was reported to 911 at around 3.30 a.m. at the Petro 
Delhi convenience store. Old cops are bumbling dummies. I'm going to stockpile all my guns because cops don't help you. To hell with the police. A 17-year-old male was naked and under the influence of a substance, the sheriff office says. He covered himself in ropes. He covered himself in ranch dressing, damaged property inside a business, ran outside and jumped into a running vehicle, then crashed into a nearby pillar. That or they just had a bukkake mouth party. Deputies took the boy into custody. He was then taken to a local hospital and later released to his parents. The criminal aspects of this incident are under investigation, the sheriff's office said, and we are happy to report that no one was injured during the incident, and fuck, that was a short story. Okay, let me get this straight. Yeah. Kid's naked for no reason. Covers himself in ranch dressing for no real reason. Yeah. Doesn't break any laws other than, obviously, public nudity. Yeah. Runs from cops for whatever reason, even though it would be hilarious to get wrestled to the ground, smothering ranch dressing all over the cops that are trying to take you down. Then the cops gotta try to fight to get him right he's getting to slip around i mean like this kid failed epically if you're going to resist arrest do it the right way when you're covered in ranch dressing and make it real weird for the cops right like you you're gonna have to really get a good hold of me buddy right like you're you're gonna have to shower after we're done with this like charge into battle with them covered in ranch screaming punish me daddy and see what happens yeah right i mean i mean what's the worst that could happen they the best case scenario, they may just stop chasing you and say, just let them go. <laughs> <laughs> like, you might just take it all completely out of their spine. They yeah. may just shoot you because they are the police, and that's what well, they do. I mean, it's Kansas, and this kid sounds like, you know, I thought it was Wisconsin. probably Caucasian. What? I thought it was Wisconsin. No, that was in Kansas. Oh. Well, either way, if he's a white kid, he's getting away with it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, he's going to be fine. <laughs> I mean, they, um, they released him to his parents, and they're deciding whether or not to file charges. Clearly, he's a white kid. Yeah, right? <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, that's a short story, though. You want me to do another one? Yeah, um, just another quick one, you know. Yeah. All right. Um, here, this is uh, uh, this is yours. Ooh, our very own court psyops. Oh, from the Daily News, 11-year-old still school bus flips the middle finger to the cops as he speeds past them. That kid's a fucking hero is what he that is. That kid's a fucking legend already. <laughs> that kid's legendary over there. Anyway, it's just joy- to pull it. It's joy wide lasted a while, but his jail ride might be even longer, which is horseshit. He's 11. Yeah, he's 11. Uh, and, Give him Juvie and make him the coolest kid in Juvie. Yeah, yeah. 11 year old Louisiana boy is facing criminal charges after authorities said he stole the school bus and crashed into several cars during a wild joyride Sunday morning. To hell with the police. The pre adolescent thief led multiple police cruisers on a 13 mile pursuit through the streets of Baton Rouge before crashing into a tree and getting arrested. This is the sickness with which I am down. <laughs> Authorities told local news outlet WBRZ the child even flipped the middle finger to officers as he drove past them, according to the station. Fucking A kid. To hell with the police. I witnessed videos shared on social media captured part of the pursuit, with one clip showing more than a dozen police cruisers following the bus. That's so fucking badass. Because legend, man. See, the boy whose name was not released because of his age struck three vehicles before finally hitting a tree and coming to a stop with he said release his name because someday I'll, i want to hire him because he sounds like this kid's go places that. he's a self-starter man this kid's got shit going for him this kid, he's a straight shooter with upper management written all over <laughs> he needs to have antifa recruit him <laughs> right
right? <laughs> They're uh, not even an organization. That's not how it works. That's not even how, yeah, recruit them. That's not, that's not how any of this works, you assholes. Anyway, he was booked on. into the Baton Rouge Juvenile Detention Center and charged with theft of a vehicle, aggravated flight, three counts of damage to property, and one count of aggravated assault for intentionally crashing into at least one of the three vehicles he hit, a police spokesperson said. That sounds like some trumped up shit. This kid is like cool hand Luke and shit, man, what they're yeah. trying to say. By the <laughs> way, that's trumped up shit. I mean, he probably didn't intentionally to hint anything. Well, they just want to add an aggravated assault charge. No, they totally did. They're trying to throw the book at the kid to scare the shit out of anybody that's going to copy him because the police can't handle a fucking 11-year-old that steals a bus. Exactly. Um, uh, Authority said the school bus has a push to start ignition, so no key was needed. The <laughs> officers also believe he was too good to short know, to reach, right? He was too short to reach the pedals while sitting and likely had to stand up to drive. But the investigation is ongoing. I mean, holy fuck! Come on, leave that kid alone. Give that kid a fucking medal, dude. If he couldn't even see over the window because he had to stand up to drive, it's no wonder he was hitting everything in sight. And they're trying to say he did it on purpose. Exactly. That's why I'm saying it's fucking horseshit. <laughs> when has the police trumped up a charge that wasn't horseshit? Um, uh, um, um, never. <laughs> I don't know if that's necessarily true. Probably not. <laughs> I mean, even a stop clock is right twice a day, right? Well, that's true. I mean, they were right that OJ did kill all those people, but I mean... <laughs> <laughs> but the prosecution dropped the ball later. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people dropped the ball on that one. <laughs> well, let's the one the, time, the one time the cops are right, they dropped the fucking ball. Well, let's drop the ball on this show and move on and not talk no. about shit that no one's cared about for 50 fucking years. Okay. <laughs> We're going to play the Ending Legion promo. We're going to have another bit of music that's right out of the film. When we come back, we will close out this fucking show. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcast, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Metal Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.
fucking love this soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, man. Those quick little tracks are fun to have for a little in-between bits of song to play right before we move into the next stuff. And I'm going to have to play some other bits of the score just underneath us to make it all work. And I'm saying that now so that someone out there will appreciate just how hard I work to make this show sound as good as it does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why doesn't people love me more? They all love you, Court. <laughs> it just, I don't think you get en- enough love. You'll, you can never get enough love. <laughs> I am in need of ex- constant external validation. And yet, when it's given to you, it is met with a flamethrower. <laughs> I am who I am, Matt. <laughs> Don't, don't judge me. <laughs> I can't help it. I've been hurt. <laughs> if you'd like to listen to other instances where Matt has accused me of using flamethrowers on anyone giving me positive reinforcement in the previous 271 episodes, you can find all of that info at legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. <laughs> You can also join our Facebook group and ask Court about his optimum settings for said flamethrower when receiving external validation. (laughs) Or you can just message me through Facebook or find me there as Court Psyops. Jesus Christ. You can ask Matt Psyop about Court's optimal settings for a flamethrower, but he knows shit about technical stuff anyway, so he has no clue what you're asking. I know all about what his need is for flamethrower settings. The hotter, the better. You can email feedback to Matt, psyopmatt at gmail.com. Let him know that might be a good way to melt the end of your flamethrower and blow yourself up. (laughs) Well, you know, I never said that he wasn't taking risks. Email feedback to court, cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com, and ask him how to turn an old school super soaker from the 90s into a death trap of a flamethrower. Uh, I would assume very carefully. You can also tweet a couple of tweets to a couple of twats on the hate-filled shitfest that probably needs a flamethrower taken to it. That is Twitter. Yes, well, that definitely does. It definitely, Twitter should die. <laughs> I'm at Cord underscore Psyop, and he is at Psyop Matt. Now, if you want to talk about flaming hot stuff, you got to get yourself over to the Instagram, if you know what I mean, and I think now you that, do. That is where you get the stuff right there on the gram. They have all the best photos of fucking flamethrowers right there for you to compare your flamethrower to. I'm sure they do. I bet they. I bet there's a whole Instagram for flamethrowers. If there is, tag us in the photo in the comments there. Cinema underscore Psyops, and by us, I mean me, because I'm running that shit just like this show and that it is barter town (laughs) you run barter town that's right (laughs) so while you're out there fiddling with the settings of your own flamethrowers kids burn the fuck out of this establishment and make this week your bitch
Hey, you hear me? Yep. All right, so let's get this rolling. Cool. <laughs> you recording right. on your side yet? Uh, I am now. One, two, three. Okay, so this is episode what number, do you know? Um, a billion. It may feel like a billion. No, it's uh, <laughs> like 272, I think. I'll have to double check to make sure. A gazillion. <laughs> I don't know math. Why do you do this? It's not necessarily math. It's just keeping track. Yeah, it's real. It's it's real. I, said, it, I just said math, <laughs> asshole. Jesus. It's real easy for me to keep track. All I have to do is pull up the feed and look at last week's episode and hope that I've been counting right this whole time. I'm sure you're fine. <laughs> yeah, it's 272. I just verified. So, all right. And hopefully you did the right movie, but the scheduling document has made it very much that we were always doing the right movie. <laughs> yeah, and I, I did uh, watch me when I kill. Wait, you watched watch me when I kill or you're asking me to watch you while you kill? Either way, I'm into it. Both. <laughs> all right, then we definitely need to get this fucking episode started because we need to talk. No, all right. <laughs> you had yourself muted there or something? What, what was going on there? Did you hear me at first? <laughs> no, I couldn't. You didn't? Oh, I said you're all diseased. <laughs> well, I mean, wow, fuck. I'm glad <laughs> I didn't hear that. Now I'm offended. Yeah, yeah wow, shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I could have gotten away with that. <laughs> if it hadn't been freaking mentally kids. <laughs> Until I fucking go and do the edit, and then I'll be like, what the fuck is wrong with you, Matt? <laughs> Get a text from you. Did you see we were all fucking diseased? I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> You motherfucker! <laughs> yeah, I totally didn't. Um, one of my gates is blocking you out tonight for some reason. I don't know why. I'm not going to deal with it until later. You did that shit on purpose. <laughs> yeah, maybe, so you can get away with saying such horrendous fucking things. Yes, well, you know, <sighs> I like saying horrendous fucking things. Well, after they get done boning, she and he talk about the case, and that is our next clip. And real quick, I'm actually going to run while you're playing it to get something to drink, because I just ran out of my drink, so I'll okay. be right back. Yeah, it's only two minutes, so I'll wait for you to come back. All right. Here you go. Till if you just forget it. All right, let me know when you're back. I'm back. Cool. Where he's got a shortcut to act like that, and she's okay with it, then that's fine. Yeah. Um, fuck, I lost my place. Sorry, I do that. It's all right. Okay. All right. In the 70s, the best way to bring someone out of hysteria was to beat them about the face with an open hand. Yeah, I don't I think the 70s were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course we know that now. But back then, now. But back then it was okay. So if you were yes. back then, like if you time traveled back then, slapping people around for no reason was okay. That's all I'm saying. Well, isn't that nice for them? Uh, <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say, Matt, is I want to time travel to where it's okay to slap people around. Oh, Jesus Christ. Of course. No. Come on. Come on, man. <laughs> I said people, not just specifics. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> sure. Uh, I'd like I'm to time travel back you. to where it's okay. I'm not going me. with you. <laughs> I'd like to time travel back to where it's okay to slap you around. Well, I mean, that's never. It's never okay to slap anyone around, all right? We know that Jeez. now, but we didn't know that then. <laughs> well, I wasn't even alive. Probably when this movie was made, it was okay to slap people around. <laughs> uh, dick. But uh, <laughs> I'm getting loopy. I don't really do. I don't know. And the wise. Oh, you take off the glasses. And <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I guess they're. <laughs> I guess this murder victim is not see not see gonna see the fall. <laughs> Boo. Ah, fuck that Boo. Boo. You, you're Boo. terrible. Move on. I hate Boo. you. Move on.
So while you're out there fiddling with the settings of your own flamethrowers, kids, burn the fuck out of this establishment and make this week your bitch. <laughs> My head hurts. I'm laughing so much. Out of it. I feel like I got punched in the face 50 times, but I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> like, please, sir, may I have another? <laughs> right. Spank me harder, daddy. <laughs> okay, here, let's stop recording now. Uh, yep, yep, I have that one, so that's good. Keeping that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not keeping it. Yeah. <laughs>